1: Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective,
0: 2020 on Vision. It's always wonderful getting an update on some of the good work that's being done with one of those organisations that works with the persecuted church. Now, Voice of the Martyrs does a wonderful job. It's almost 50 years since the founding of Voice of the Martyrs back in the 1960s. Uh, ...under the work of Richard Wormbrand, ...Pastor Richard Wormbrand, ...who was imprisoned for 14 years in communist Romania... ...well he founded Voice of the Martyrs... ...to serve the persecuted church... ...well John Wilson is the CEO of Voice of the Martyrs in Australia... ...travels widely around the world... ...and John's back with us today... ...hello John, welcome back to 2020...
1: Hi Neil, it's good to be with you again...
0: Uh, ...John, uh, we were just talking recently... ...about your return from Vietnam... And some of the persecution that's going on in the north of Vietnam, uh, it's pretty horrendous what some people have to go through there. But people in the north of Vietnam, uh, they're not all uh, rich people, a lot of poverty and uh, some challenges, even having access to a Bible. You were recently in Vietnam. What was the, the situation with getting Bibles into fairly remote villages?
1: It's always exciting, Neil, to get the written word of God in a particular tribal dialect into the hands of a believer. And uh, one of the the stories that I uh, heard from our national contact and was supported by some great photographs um, was about an old lady that lived in a very remote village and this village was, has been praying for bibles for many many years and when it came to our attention we were able to get our contacts to take a load of bibles in their own language to these Hmong uh, believers in the hills and it was the most difficult journey for them to, to, to go on because middle winter it was just clay roads They even had to try and put a bit of rope around their tyres, Neil, to get grips. And they had these bikes with Bibles packed up there, and it was a a six-and-a-half-hour journey. It was incredible just to get the word of God into that village. Uh,
0: When you're travelling in Vietnam, uh, you often travel by train. And then, as you say, when you're on the roads, uh, if it's been wet, uh, the mud is... Incredible and uh, ropes on the tyres, but uh, even train travel in Vietnam is pretty tough, isn't it?
1: It is, and actually, that's where I heard the story. was in a a train where we're going up from the northern parts of, uh, of Vietnam on an eight and a half hour journey at night in a in a small uh, four little four little bunks in there. Uh, it's Eight and a half hour journey and it's just impossible to sleep with so much rocking and rolling and lights going on there but it's a wonderful opportunity to encourage our national contacts it's an encouraging time to talk to them and this is where that story was birthed that in a small train that was just shaking and shuddering we were just fixed to the story about this particular lady and this the, the opportunity distributing bibles and neil we have a program that is just incredible with bibles because We produce the Bibles within Vietnam, far more cost-effective than actually trying to ship it in and, of course, they're they're printed with good-quality printers, but they are delivered secretly at night, often in the middle of the night, 1 or 2 o'clock, even in the morning, and it's delivered to remote places like in the jungle where motorbikes come from nowhere. Within five minutes, there's three stacks of cartons on the motorbikes and 20 motorbikes just disappear into the night. And we had had this allocation of Bibles sent to us for our motorbike couriers to pick up and to go into this particular village.
0: Now, delivering the Bibles at night, under cover of darkness, and it's by stealth, as you say. uh, There's uh, people on motorbikes. They've got boxes of Bibles. uh, They all sort of arrive, drop them off, and leave. Uh, What's the penalty for for having Bibles in Vietnam? How tough is it? Is there a crackdown that's going on under the communist regime there? Uh, What's it like, John?
1: Well, even to have a Bible in some parts of northern Vietnam is virtually a criminal offence according to their jungle law. You know, they'll have the, the freedom of rights as the government produces it, but in the northern parts they have what we call jungle law, and the authorities are the law unto themselves. And if they want to try and eradicate any form of Christianity, you've got to be a secret believer. You've got to hide your Bible. Like I've said once before, some even have to to store them in clay pots and bury them in the jungle. To read the Word, they would have to go out at night with a torch to read the Word of God and then hide it back in there in fear of people coming, authorities coming and trying to find Bibles. And they have inspections Often, Neil, we have had ex-prisoners telling us that after they've been out of a sentence of, say, seven years, for what? for giving the Bible, not selling it, but giving the Bible away to other believers have ended up in prison for seven years for doing this. And when they get back home they're still under that type of regime of being looked at and watched and, uh, for from sometimes 24 hours a day for the first weeks or, or so. And they have to be able to report to them from there. So the Bible is very precious to them and it's difficult because they can, some of them can go to prison for it or be beaten as an example or put in jail for a few days just to, to cool their heels for doing this evangelistic outreach,
0: and John, there's stories of miracles happening as yes. well in some villages, and I know that there's one about a, a woman that you've begun to mention. Uh, tell us that story.
1: Yes, I was just so excited here on this train late at night, hearing the story in the early hours of the morning, and uh, our team had arrived basically with their Bibles. They were tired, they were hungry and they were welcomed around a, a, a large fire pit in the centre of the floor, and the then they, they had something to eat, then they did the distribution for Bibles, and it's always in a very orderly fashion, Neil. They seem to be regimented in a way that they don't rush and run at you, but they, they line up and they even tick off the names of the people who received the Bibles. It's just really well-ordered and at the very back of the line was an old lady about 65 years of age she stood there very quiet and and, and uh, as she came up one of the leaders said don't give her a bible she can't read but her friend pleaded she look please 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 all her life she wanted a bible But she can't reach it. Look, we said our contact. Look, we've got plenty of Bibles. We'll give her one of the Bibles. Well, she treasured it. She held it to her heart. She kissed the very cover of the Bible and went back into the corner of the room. Later that night, at about two o'clock in the morning, around the fire pit, our contact was woken up. She said, "Not normal. I was just woken up." And as I arose, looked, I saw this old lady with the Bible open smiling and holding a torch as if she was reading the word of god and neil you know what happened god had opened her eyes to be able to take away any literacy to read the very precious words of the promises of of god from that word of word of god and we said did you test her did you check it out was it was she memorizing they said she cannot read the her, her friend which she cannot read and we took. She took the Bible. She opened it in different pages. John 3:16. Read that, and she read it perfectly. Isaiah 43. Read that perfectly. Four times she read the Word of God perfectly, and they rejoiced at two o'clock in the morning. And the, you can see the photograph that I sent you to your studio. The rejoicing and the happiness. On the heart of this believer, and I thought immediately of Psalm thirty-seven, four, and I thought of it for this woman. She said, it's to delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart." That night, God touched the heart of that sixty-five-year-old woman, but also He touched my heart that we were part of an organization to get the Word of God into their hearts, so they would be encouraged by the promises of God. Neil. That what excites me when I hear stories like
0: that. Uh, it is always an inspiration when we hear uh, stories of miracles like that that happen. Uh, it's also challenging to us, John, when you realise that people have to use a torch uh, to read a Bible at night because being caught with one, in the daytime is more likely and uh, facing consequences for that. How significant, John, is the idea of jungle law and uh, and people are being ruled by that? Is it there, that there are local sort of rulers that have power in parts of the jungle?
1: Absolutely. I think you find that with any particular tribal um, people, you'll find that there is always the power, position and authority And they will want to be able to enact that power even though the the government said you will be the the governor for this particular village or you'll be the village head for this village but you will do what we say. And they have got this empowering or that badge of office upon them but they take it to their own rules into the area of jungle law where um, one particular guy we met who was evangelising just recently there they stopped him and tied him to a post and left him there from 3 o'clock in the afternoon to 12 o'clock in the the morning, next morning. But as they did that, they beat him for nearly three hours because he said, you are a Christian, you have to deny Christ. But that was their own form of punishment under their own jungle law. And that's, that's an example that has happened. There are examples where some of the police have even gone in and lived in the pastor's house for three months to try and prevent and put psychological persecution or pressure upon them to recant and come back to their old ways and not be the leader of that Christian unity there. Can you imagine that having two guys sleeping in your home and watching every movie every, it's just incredible that's the type of jungle law that gets enacted by these, these authoritarian people.
0: And John some more on that blind woman because there are lots of women who are under the influence of some of the good work that ...that you're doing, and you have something called a Butterfly Program... Uh, ...Women's Ministry there in Vietnam, and it's been very successful over recent times.
1: Look, this has just really touched my heart to support the Women's Ministry there. The Butterfly Program, as we call it, is basically the spiritual principle of rebirth. And it's from the pupae, which we understand that that ugly little kind of insect... and animal that we've got there that flourishes to a beautiful butterfly like a monarch butterfly and what has happened is that the woman has, has been not been able to understand their true spiritual role as a pastor's wife, as a mother, as as a, a leader in the church and also their own self-worth and so we've developed this program that encourages and teaches the woman that their inner beauty can surface and they can really be an effective a warrior for Jesus and a supportive role with their husband as a as a pastor, a supportive role in the church, but really the self worth is one of the big things we 've seen ladies who would always have their heads held down. These ladies now, after being ministered by this butterfly program, are holding their head high for jesus and you know over the last three years they have reached over sixty thousand women in the northern parts of of Vietnam. This is just this incredible work of God that's happening in a, like a revival. Husbands and wives are now holding hands and culturally, Neil, it's difficult for them to do this in places like that. It's not culturally accepted, it's not within their culture, but now there is affection, there is love. Children are growing. What has happened to daddy? What has happened to mummy? They're going out together on a motorbike, ministering together as one in Christ. And they know their role and their particular purpose in life. And they're virtually starting to cast their own shadow, which is wonderful news to hear us that's happening in Vietnam today.
0: Well, John Wilson, always good getting your insights and the latest stories that are coming right from the mission field that you're working in. And uh, today's story, another one from Vietnam. And I know that uh, you're always interested in meeting new friends for Voice of the Martyrs, uh, people who can be brought into contact so that you can have fellowship between first world uh, free world christians and uh, fellowship with those who are in persecuted situations around the world and no doubt there'll be those who will want to uh, look into things a little more deeply and some of the stories that you're able to tell some of the stories that you have up on your website i'll point people to the voice of the martyrs website au. that's vom voice of the martyrs au. john wilson thanks so much for being with us again today on 2020